Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 75.2 of The Big Cruise Podcast. 75.2, I'll explain that in just a minute. Uh, My name is Baz, I'm your host, and uh, we've got a bit of a crazy show for you today. In just a minute, Chris will be joining us live. Um, We're going to be out and about and uh, recording on Friday, the 15th of October, um, catching up in person to bring you the latest of the cruise news. Now, the reason for 75.2 is, in fact, episode 75 should have been last week, and we did record the podcast, we did record all the cruise news, the listener questions, etc. And then I had a planned uh, dentist appointment, which uh, ended up in a lot of pain, and a lot of painkillers, and unfortunately I wasn't in a position to edit all of the audio into a nice little format for uh, for a regular episode. Um, So what we're going to do is use the listener question and the maritime history that were recorded last week. Um, So you'll notice a bit of a difference in the audio. Um, And then we'll flip over to the latest cruise news with Chris, um, which will sound very different because we'll be out and about. There'll be lots of background noise um, as we're out on the uh, the coastline there. But let's uh, quickly recap on the latest cruise news that we did have last week. We did record, but we won't be using uh, uh, the audio for it. First of all, Azamara is making its return to South Africa, and that will include some beautiful pre and post land programs that can see you going to uh, Kruger National Park, Victoria Falls or the Kobe Game Park uh, Safari. Moving on to MSC, they're offering uh, winter city getaways in Northern Europe on board the MSC Magnifica. That's from the 14th of November this year, 2021. And the seven night cruises will go from uh, Southampton, uh, La Havre for Paris, Seabrook for Bruges and Brussels, uh, Amsterdam. And you can uh, embark in any of these ports and do the full seven days with uh, stays in port of up to 12 hours. So great way to be able to see um, some of the the best of the Christmas festivities in the, uh, the the regional festivities that take place in these great little cities. Moving on to Viking, Viking have, as we know, been uh, rehashing or reworking the Viking Sun, and she has just been reflagged as Yidwan. She'll be the first uh, Viking ship dedicated to the Chinese market, and she will be offering China coastal cruises from Shenzhen. 
Uh, Penant has launched Command Shock Earths. That is, of course, the uh, the beautiful latest ship for Penant. We'll be hearing a little bit more about that in coming weeks. MSCs are launching a new campaign globally. It's a great TV campaign. If you haven't seen it, there is a link to that um, on uh, part of our cruise news page. If you haven't seen that, do so. Meanwhile, Virgin Voyager Scarlet Lady did hit the water on the high seas for her epic Mermaiden voyage. And again, that's included in the, the cruise, news, cruise news section of the website. Uh, P&O Australia launched a spectacular 28-night Australian Explorer. We would call that locally a circumnavigation. And interestingly, it's the first time P&O Australia have done that, whilst other cruise lines have done it many, many times. Uh, so that will be a great opportunity. And that one cruising in June of 2024. Um, meanwhile, Carnival Cruise Lines announces the restart of ships for January and February. In a nutshell, 17 ships will be uh, rescheduled to operate before the year end. And then we've got Carnival Sunshine restarting from Charleston on the 13th of January. Carnival Liberty from Port Canaveral on the 11th of February. And if you want a quick little recap, out of Galveston, you'll have Carnival Breeze, Carnival Dream and Carnival Vista. Out of Miami, you'll have Carnival Freedom, Horizon, Sunshine and Conquest. Out of Port Canaveral, you've got Mardi Gras, Carnival Elation, Magic, uh, Liberty. Uh, effective from 11 Feb, and uh, New Orleans will be Carnival Glory and Velour. Long Beach will be Carnival Panorama, Radiance and Miracle. Baltimore is Carnival Legend. Tampa is Carnival Pride, and Charleston is Carnival Sunshine, effective January 13. And last but by name is least out of the previous cruise news, Explorer Journeys has uh, announced the major milestones of the construction of its second ship, Explorer 2. This is, of course, the luxury brand of the MSC Group, and uh, the first ship is already under construction. Second one has now started the, the steel cutting, and we'll be hearing a lot more about that brand and their upcoming ships in the uh, upcoming episodes of the Big Cruise podcast. So that's everything we recorded last week in a nutshell that we won't be using the audio for. Um, we've uh, got a whole heap of brand new cruise news. As we know, it's been a big week in cruise news uh, and continues to be every week. So we're going to share that with Chris in just a moment's time. Um, but a little thank you also to uh, those of you that have been in touch, um, sent through listener questions and said you'd like to uh, leave a review. We're currently working through those and we look forward to bringing you onto the show. If yourself, you have a question or you would like to complete a cruise review, if you're in a part of the world where cruising has really started and uh, we're uh, very lucky if you have um do share that with us you can get in touch via the website thebigcruisepodcast.com in the top right hand corner join the show and uh, send all of those details through to us meanwhile let's head over and bring chris into uh, the conversation enjoy the show And it's that time of the week where we welcome back our good friend, maritime historian and all things cruise news. And this time we are live out and about. Chris Rain. Hi, Baz. Nice oh. to be out and about. It is. And today we, of course, flying the flag for P&O Australia. What was that all about again? So, yes, I mean, obviously P&O in Australia here is trying to um, get, get back up and running, I suppose, mm -hmm. with the cruise pause still in effect here. And uh, I've come down to, to meet you with uh, my most probably unique piece of P&O memorabilia. It's a, a, a coin, a very large coin, that um, has been put into a glass sort of seal. There's a photograph on the, on the website that yeah. will pop up. And it commemorates the 150th anniversary back in 1987. Um, and it's got a picture of the flag on one side with a drawing of the, uh, a, a sculpture of the, of the William Fawcett, which was, um, it's been, the ship that was recognized as the first ship in history to fly the P&O flag, which oh. is what the inscription on the back of the, 
of the coin comes from. Now, this is one of a few of these that exist in the world, and it is was given to me by uh, Rob Henderson, who actually uh, curates and owns um, the probably one of the largest P&O um, historical archives in the world. Um, and he is the co-author of our P&O book. So um, I keep this one, and he has others in his collection. And uh, it's joining us here for the podcast. Today. Very special. Great yeah. to have it here with us. And of course, you've got one of the books as well. Um, just a heads up for the listeners, um, we didn't have last week's show um, because I wasn't too well. We, but we did record it. I just didn't get a chance to edit it. So this is the question. We're going to drop that in in just a second because that came through and we answered it last week. So uh, we'll, the audio will change a little uh, because that was recorded uh, back over the, the internet. And of course, we're out and about with a bit of background noise today. So. Uh, Let's jump straight into our listener question and maritime history for this week, and we'll be back answering the. Uh, we'll be back with all the latest cruise news in just a second. Okay, we had a question over there last week. Um, Ellen must have been listening last week because you were famously talking about some of the uh, the cures for seasickness over the years. And I think you mentioned that uh, a particular captain used to suggest that uh, just drink champagne and be fine. Yes. Um, well, I must say, Baz, I actually had a, um, a Guinness breakfast in the pub on the Queen Mary Two in the middle of our Force Twelve. Encounter on the Atlantic, and it worked. It okay. worked, absolute treat. <laughs> well, that prompted Ellen to write it. She said, uh, "We we mentioned cures for seasickness last week. Have we got any personal proven tips or tricks to overcome motion sickness on the seas? I've not tried your Guinness breakfast, but uh, it obviously worked for you. But uh, any other little things that you've tried over the years? Yes, I should say actually, we're not we're not promoting drinking, so drink responsibly, of course. <laughs> but um, um, proper um, solutions to to seasickness. I mean. You'll probably know from all your cruises, Baz, but mm-hmm. you know anybody who's been on a on a ship probably has noticed that during rough rough seas, the further down on towards the waterline you are, and the further towards the centre of the ship you are, the, the motion is the least, yeah. and that's obviously because of the the um, pivot point on the ship where the middle is where the the sort of centre of gravity, I suppose, the, the um, majority of that. That movement is centered at that central point, and as you go further towards the bow or the stern, the, the movement is exaggerated as mm-hmm. the ship comes in and out of the water. Yep. So if you are feeling ill, if you're likely to get seasick and you're going on a, on a journey that has any sort of access to deep ocean water, I would definitely recommend trying to select a cabin that is centralized in the middle of the ship. And I know that all the suites and the beautiful rooms are higher up, but if seasickness is a problem for you, maybe you know rough it a little bit in a standard balcony for example <laughs> um, and go a little bit further down the ship or even ocean view if, if it's um, if it's a ship that has the central ocean view cabins there um, or if it's something that doesn't bother you about having a view central inside cabins are usually in the core of the vessel in the middle mm. part um, and so they can actually reduce the motion even further if you're in a cabin anywhere else in the ship or there's unexpected seas and you're feeling off if you're in the bow or the stern, definitely move towards the center. That's my advice. I've, I've had that, you know, I don't usually get seasick, but I've had experience where it's been, I've been in a cabin very far forward um, and the ship was moving moving a lot. Um, and um, I just moved myself to one of the bars or lounges in the central part of the ship and it, and it did reduce. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do often see that on, on the cruise ships uh, when there's rough seas, you'll see people, Sort of congregating in those central um, bars and lounge areas, um, and look for me, um, some dry ginger ale usually helps. Yeah, I've um, heard that. Yeah, but it's different for other people because I've actually learned 
that ginger, everyone says take ginger, take ginger. Ginger works for people who, when they're feeling seasick, experience a temperature drop because ginger warms you up. Whereas if you get hot when you are feeling ill, this is what I'm told, I'm not a doctor, but when you're hot, apparently the ginger can make it feel worse. So just be careful (laughs) and and do what's... um, uh, do what what's sort of right for you, and also on the ships, as you'll know, Baz, um, they have medical facilities. They exactly. they can give you um, an injection that that sort of helps. What, what about you? What, what have you found helps? I'm a bit like you. I don't generally get seasick. I've only felt the tiniest bit queasy once, um, and it was actually sailing down the east coast of Australia between Brisbane and Sydney. Mm. And I happened to be in the theatre. I think we were going to a lecture, or there was something happening in the theatre that we needed to go to, and they closed all the the curtain so there was natural natural light and the stage curtains were moving quite violently from one side to the other oh yeah so i couldn't actually feel the motion shit but i could just see these curtains like swaying dramatically mm. and i just started to feel a bit queasy so i just actually went out onto open day just looked at the horizon and it passed pretty much straight away yeah. um but that's the the only time in the goodness how many cruises i've actually taken um but i do know of other people that have tried the ginger i know other people that c- completely rave about green apples and it has to be green i have no mm. idea why Okay. Um, but my wife's grandmother famously said that cotton wool, but only in one ear, um, works. Goodness. And oh, uh, yeah. she she proved that it did on another cruise that we were on. So um, I think it's something to do with your inner ear and your balance. And that yeah, kind of yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, people people sometimes say, "Oh, the um, motion sickness is like a, a psychosomatic, or whatever." So that's that's not true. It's, mm. it's to do with it's to do with the way that the the, the liquids in your inner ear are, are working, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for some people, it's one of those things where you just can't will your way out of it. You have to take the remedies. Yep. Um, but you know, it's interesting you say that about the the stage because I've been a presenter on stage when the ship's behaving like that, and the <laughs> curtain was actually hitting into into my back and pushing me against the podium. <laughs> so um, it can be a little bit difficult sometimes as a speaker to maintain your balance when you're up there, particularly if you're animated, <laughs> because you, you take one wrong step and um, you could end up falling flat on your face. <laughs> there's um, there's another um, remedy as well. It's something that we can't get here in Australia, but I think you can buy it in New Zealand. And you can definitely buy it in North America. It's those little patches that you put uh, just on your neck, just behind your ear. I guess it's a little bit like a nicotine pass. It releases, it, sorry, it releases some sort of um, medicinal property to you over a slow dose. Um, and a lot of people do rave about that, but I think you need to put it on just before you set sail. I think it's something you, you wear for the for the duration of the cruise rather than um, just as and when uh, the, the weather changes or the seas change. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. But I think it's all down to personal taste at the end of the day. Uh, some people, as you say, don't suffer seasickness at all or very rarely. Other people I have known back in the day when I worked for cruise lines doing ship inspections, the ship could be tied to the, the pier or the wharf and not moving anywhere. And people think that they're experiencing seasickness. So, um, yeah, each to their own. Just find what works for you, I think. It's funny you say that. I've actually been on a... Um one of the Vista class ships from the Carnival Corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were tied up alongside in Melbourne, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And there was very high winds, which were causing the the water in Port Melbourne to wash up against the back of the ship. And we're sitting there in the dining room, which has a view over the stern. Yeah. And I, I know that the ship was tied up, but the ship was moving because <laughs> of the way that the, the, the you could see it. You could see it on the um, against the, the pier, against the land, because of the way that the the waves were rolling in and hitting the back of the ship. Oh. Um, and so we hadn't even set sail yet. And some people were like, "Is this what the cruise is going to be like?" And we're like, "I think you're going to have to go and lie down because <laughs> it, it's going to start moving soon." You know, so yeah. um, 
but yes, there's there's lots of different. I think though, um, you know, compared to those liners we spoke about last last week, um, their their remedies aren't um, based on just trying to trick you anymore. And uh, yeah. they do they do have stabilizers. So once they're out away from the pier, they can put those out and and help. Um, but you know, one of the things is it causes a lot of the motion on a ship is not actually the the, the waves because they can be. To, to some extent countered by the stabilizers but it's the wind yeah. that catches the the massive structure of these ships uh now because they're so big and so so tall uh, and that can actually cause quite a lot of motion mm, exactly mm. um so i don't know if we've given you a definitive answer there, there ellen but we've given you a few things to consider if if you were to be going uh on a cruise yeah. in the not too distant future and well, to... i mean maybe if some other listeners have their own ideas they yeah can let us know by all means uh you just reminded them where to go to. Go to the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, in the top right-hand corner, join the show, and that's where you can get in touch, whether it's with a question, with a suggestion, with an answer to uh, this little question we've got here, or whether you want to leave a ship review. We've got a few people on the horizon that are just finishing experiencing the, the cruises in Europe, and they're going to be on with us in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but I guess we need to jump straight into maritime history, Chris. You had a question, and bear with me. It's just disappeared off my screen. Here we go. Um Oh, another Chris. Chris from New York says, on the QM2, there is a big silver cup on display in the lobby. It display- Sorry, the plaque says it's a Boston cup, but the cup itself has Britannia on it. What is the significance of the cup, and why Boston? I have no right. idea, mate. It's all yours. Yes. So this is a, a topic I, I've actually researched in some detail. So um, the Boston or Britannia cup, it's got two names, mm-hmm. Was is a 2.5-foot-tall um, silver cup oh. that was crafted by master craftsmen in the city of Boston, and it was designed to and commissioned to be presented to Sir Samuel Cunard aboard the Britannia when the ship arrived in Boston in 1840 at the end of her maiden voyage. Mm. Now, the reason why Boston is because Boston was selected by Cunard as the U.S. port for the new. Um, transatlantic service it wasn't originally new york it was boston first yeah and so the ships would sail from from liverpool to um halifax in nova scotia and then would sail down to the united states and pull in at boston so this was the um this was the big celebration that was being planned mm. now the cup is interesting because it is beautifully i've actually got a picture i might give to you Baz, to put on the website sure. if you want to have a yeah, look yeah. but it's beautifully decorated and um, very uh, elegantly put together. On one side, there is a um, an inscription that talks about it being created by the people of Boston and Massachusetts on their behalf to, to present it to Samuel Cunard. And it's referred to as the Britannia Cup in the inscription. And on the other side, there is a picture of um, an engraved picture of Britannia, the ship, mm-hmm. uh, which was the first ship built for Cunard and their second ship in in service um, after the little testing via, uh, testing ship called the Unicorn, which mm-hmm. they used to sort of test the, the transatlantic run. Um, so the cup itself wasn't the, 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 the popular history of the cup is that the Boston cup has been carried on board the Cunard flagships and it signifies which ship is the Cunard flagship. Well, there's a big asterisk next to that because the, the Boston cup itself um, was not presented to Samuel Cunard. It wasn't finished in time for <laughs> the maiden voyage arrival. And the the history as to what happened to it next gets a little bit sketchy as to whether it was ever presented to Cunard or not. There's conflicting sources. 
Um, but what is known is that for a long period of time, the whereabouts of the cup was unknown. So oh. it, it disappeared. <laughs> um, and remarkably, Baz, this is quite ridiculous really when you think about it, the chairman of Cunard in the 1960s, as transatlantic liners were collapsing and they were trying to build the QE2 to make this, yeah. this new venture into you know, dual-purpose liners, the chairman was in the United States and he and his wife went antiquing. Oh. And they came across this rather um, unpolished, worn-out-looking, 2.5-foot-tall cup, and he read the um, in- engravings and knew exactly what it was. So he purchased the cup uh, and had it sent on the Franconia, which was a Cunard liner, back to the United Kingdom where it was restored. And it was presented aboard QE2 when she entered service as the new flagship of Cunard. Right, okay. It stayed with, yeah, so it stayed with QE2 throughout her entire service career. It was originally displayed in the big first-class dining room, the Columbia Restaurant, and then in the 94 refit when they created this history trail, heritage trail on board the ship, it was a, a main part of, of that. It was displayed in a big cabinet outside the Yacht Club. And the cup stayed with QE2 until 2004 when Queen Mary II became the flagship of Cunard Line Mm -hmm. and they did a ceremonial transfer from one ship to the other, which is where this whole, um, you know, it's been with the flagship kind of thing came in. So, yes, it has, but it's only been with two flagships because no one knows where it was before. (laughs) Um, Now, another little funny uh, side story that I I always get a chuckle is that the the cup itself, um, when it was designed, the original sketches that that they have for it, um, it had a lid. So the cup is currently hasn't got a lid on top of the on top of the opening, and the lid's still missing. So they always say if you are in an antique shop and you find a silver cup lid, then maybe let Cunard know because it might be the lid they're looking for. <laughs> but um, yeah, remarkable, and it's now displayed on. It was originally displayed on the Queen Mary two, um, uh, kind of around a, a corner behind the one of the bars. But during the remastering refit, they they they. They put it in the center of the ship in the ground lobby, and it's now. If you board the ship from um, from the from the deck three level as you walk in, that's what you see, and it's it's, it's kind of its rightful place now because it's such a beautiful piece of um, mm. piece of craftsmanship. Yeah, interesting. So that's why it's Boston and Britannia, and and because it's the, the colloquially known as the Boston Cup because it was made by the people of Boston, but people in Boston who were making it were going to refer to it as the Britannia Cup, <laughs> and it's a pretty significant piece of Cunard history. I wonder where it was all those years. I know, right? I mean, there's lots of different stories, and some 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 historical records sort of suggested it that it was a, it was around, but the, but there's nothing nothing solid that kind of shows its progression from when it was handed over and ship to ship, um, and then um, it, then then it you know then it was found in this uh, antique shop. So, um, wow, <laughs> what are the chances too? You know, yeah. like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well. yeah. That's, that's a new one on me. So thank you for, for that question, Chris. And thank you, Chris, for, for rightfully knowing the answer. It's uh, always interesting when people yeah. send these great questions through to us. And it always amazes me that you always know the answer without having to do a great deal of research as well. So well done, oh, mate. Thank you. Well, we, we do have a slight Cunard skew, I think, because I've got my, my website. So quite a, some of these questions do come through yeah. um, through the Cunard website. So there's like a lot of people, obviously, who who use that as a resource to um, to look up, you know, the ships that their family members and stuff sailed on. And yeah. I think with our US and UK listeners um, as well, you know, there's like a very strong transatlantic connection there. So if you've got a, a, a question that's more tailored towards, you know, cruising or Australian shipping or New Zealand shipping or anything, um, 
in Asia, just just let us know and we'll we'll do what we can. Yeah, test Chris. That's what I always say. Oh, oh Baz, don't. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take a quick break, mate. We'll be back in just a second with cruise news. No worries. Well, Chris, what a week in cruise. It has been so much news to get through. And as always, we can refer the listeners back to the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, all the show notes are there for each and every episode. And uh, we're going to start off with a little bit of sad news here in Australia with the announcing, sorry, with the announcement of Royal Caribbean cancelling uh, their season for this year. Yeah, so Ovation of the Seas, which was, of course, much um, anticipated and we're looking mm. forward to seeing her in Australian waters. Um, she has had her voyages cancelled. That is from the 13th of December this year all the way through to the end of March next year. Baz. Yeah, and I think she's the last of any of the cruise lines to uh, cancel their deployment at this stage. They were hanging on, hoping uh, that the government would be able to, to find a, a way, a path forward for cruising to resume. It hasn't happened yet, and ultimately they do have to make a decision, and uh, that ship can be better used elsewhere in the meantime. Mm. Uh, we have got some great news out of the Royal Caribbean family in the celebrity brand where our good friend of the show, Captain Kate, she was on the episode many moons ago, and she's got a brand new ship. She does. She, well, she's going to be moving across to Celebrity Beyond, which is the uh, newest and the third um, ship in the Edge series. So, of course, there's Edge, Apex and, and Beyond. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be making its uh, maiden voyages in 2022. That's... Uh Incredible. Congratulations to Captain Kate there. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Captain Kate is, she's um, one of the best TikTokers, uh, Instagrammers, etc. And if you really want to get a feel for life on board a celebrity ship or just life at sea, uh, do follow her because she's got some great inspirational content on there. And you get a little sneak peek of behind the scenes as well, which is always nice. Um, Celebrities also said um, that, well, let us know that, of course, um, Beyond is not just the uh, newest and the largest ship in their fleet, but it'll also be their most luxurious. Uh, so they're, they're taking things one step further on, on board the Beyond and it'll be mm. really exciting to see photographs and video from on board that. I'm sure Captain Kate will share that on her Instagram as you mentioned. Yeah, 17 decks high, but she's actually 21 metres longer than her predecessors. Goodness, yeah, so she's been stretched a little bit. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they've um, got some new, new spaces and, and uh, exciting sort of surprises on board. So it's not just... Uh, not just a clone of the, of the predecessors, which is nice. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be talking more about Celebrity Beyond uh, in the, the forthcoming episodes as well. Heading over to the Princess family, now we've got two bite sizes of uh, news here. The first being that they did return this last week to San Francisco. Um, and also, we've got uh, an announcement around the deployment changes from February, March and April. Some extra ships coming back into service there. Yeah, that's right. So Majestic Princess um, was their first ship to return to San Francisco, which is, which is exciting. Um, and she's actually um, been doing vo voyages up the um, Californian coast, which is, which is nice. And I think that also includes Los Angeles as well. Um, so good to see that happening over there. Uh, and as you mentioned, yes, some, some deployment changes. Um, Crown Princess um, will be joining um, Majestic and Grand Princess sailing in California uh, from February of next year. Uh, Island Princess will be heading to uh, the Caribbean uh, from March of next year, based out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, 
um, and Royal Princess will also be doing voyages um, along the US West Coast and up to Vancouver starting in April of next year. Yeah, for, of course for the Alaska season, so uh, congratulations to Princess there. They've also got a bit of activity happening in the Australian marketplace, which is the first time we've seen them in a while, so uh, good luck to them. Um, staying in the Carnival family, we've got some news from uh, Holland America, this time it's the Koningsdam has uh, returned also to the West Coast. Yes, out of uh, San Diego, so another um, US West Coast which is becoming more and more popular I think at the moment, um, <laughs> voyages. Um, and yes, very much, uh, very notable uh, her arrival with a huge welcome home sign um, on the ship there to, to greet uh, passengers as they step back on board for the first time out of that West Coast uh, itinerary. Yeah, um, they've actually, Holland America have also told us that over this 21-22 season, the cruise line will be bringing 81,000 guests to the city, which will generate approximately 35 million US dollars in direct spending. So it just shows to show how much each uh, cruise ship uh, does generate when they, they do come into a local port, which yeah, I think I mean, we need to remind the Australian government of. <laughs> that's one of the things we've been talking about, I think, is because, you know, like that's the direct um, spending, but uh, operationally for these particular Holland America ships, they will each contribute $364,000 to the local economy just in terms of buying things like food and fuel and um, having piano tuners come on board. I and think we spoke about cleaners. piano tuning in the past. You always find when the ship's on a turnaround day, you walk through the ship, if you're staying on board, like you will do sometimes if you're on as a travel agent or doing back-to-back -back voyages or, or a lecturer as, as I am, um, and you'll hear this ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding throughout the ship because the piano tuners all come on board and they tune all the pianos and tune all the musical instruments whilst the passengers are off on shore tours. But, you know, that's, uh, I think that must be US dollars, that number there, yeah, because yeah, this sure. is an American uh, press uh, uh, voyage, rather, that they're doing here. Um, and people forget about that. You know, there's the passenger spending, there's all of the tours and operations and stuff, but also that, that um, uh, you know, that, that trickle-down effect into the economy that uh, the Australian ports are missing so much. Yeah. Now let's stay with the Royal Caribbean, sorry. Now let's stay with the Carnival family because the uh, Carnival brand itself has also had some milestones with the resumption of cruising. A uh, few things to get through here. They've uh, restarted on the 3rd of July with Carnival Vista and uh, got some incredible stats here. Yes, so since then they've had 10 other ships enter into um, back into service. They've carried over 237,000 uh, travellers um, from US home ports um, and these, those voyages of course east and west coast and into the Gulf of Mexico um, and you know that they've got some interesting stats here it's very carnival in its um, <laughs> approach here but people have eaten nearly half a million uh, burgers on board the ship and enjoyed um, 11,000 uh, rides on the Bolt, which of course is the uh, first roller coaster. The roller coaster on board uh, there. Um, it's Mardi Gras, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, which of course came out in uh, into service on the 31st of July of this year. Yeah, incredible news. So Carnival got 17 ships back into service and news for more ships coming in in early 22, which I think we covered off a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, that's 17 ships will be back in by the end of this year. We've mm. um, got some news now from uh, MSC. In fact, we've got two uh, bunches of news here with MSC. The first one being that they've given, given the green light to restart in Brazil and South Africa. Yes, yeah, so two, two other markets there re reopening. Um, the local uh, health authorities in Brazil have said that that's uh, okay for them to, to resume after a 20-month uh, pause in yeah. that country. Um, and then, of course, in South Africa, they will be resuming in uh, late 2021 
um, which of course will be the first time since the shutdown that started at the beginning of 2020. Yeah, and MSC as well have got 12 ships currently operating across the world with plans for uh, up to 15 to be in operation for the 2021 season, which is November through to March. Uh, also news out of MSC, and I think we might start to see a little bit more of this, they have had to uh, cancel the 2022 World Cruise, but as a result of that, they're putting a second ship. There will be two ships doing the World Cruise for 2023. Yeah, Magnifica and Posia will be doing the 2023 uh, World Cruises. Um, and so, of course, that will be, you know, 5,000 uh, berths available, passengers uh, able to travel on those ships. Um, departing on uh, from Civitavecchia on the 4th of January and uh, from Genoa on the 5th of January, these two ships. And there'll be simultaneous world cruise, so they'll take different voyages, yeah. different routes, but at sea at the same time. <laughs> so departing on the same day, but once they get to the Atlantic, they will part ways and ultimately meet back up at the end of that voyage. And last from MSC, we've also got some news on the naming ceremony, which I've said will take place at their beautiful Ocean Key Marine Reserve. Yes, of course, that's the naming of the uh, seashore, which is one of their much, much anticipated new bills that's coming out into the market. Um, and yeah, on the 18th of November, uh, on that beautiful marine reserve, as you mentioned. Um, and then, of course, um, she will then enter into service for MSC. Brilliant. Um, Azamara also came out with some great news this week. They've announced or unveiled their 23-24 itineraries spanning every corner of the globe. And, of course, they've got plans to come down to Australia, which is great news. They do, Baz, yeah. So they've got a, a, a sort of collection of very interesting voyages, um, which is kind of themed, I suppose, in a certain way. They've got the living past of the Amazon, which, of course, looks at the, the Amazon culture and um, focuses in on Brazil. Um, they've got traditional Korean um, art performances on board their voyages out of uh, South Korea. Um, and they have an Italian-inspired um, uh, itinerary as well, with voyages in, the, um, in, in its Italian waters. Um, and of course, they've also got some destination immersion taking place in Satarem, Brazil, I think is how you pronounce it, Dakar in Senegal, Tinos in Greece, which is a destination I'm not familiar with actually in Greece. Um, and of course, the as amazing evenings will also be extended. Some beautiful noise coming out of the background there at the moment. Live broadcasting is always interesting. It sounds like we're in a um, velociraptor cage at uh, Jurassic Park by the sounds of things. So just to recap, the three ships there, Azamara Pursuit will be in South Africa, Azamara Quest will be in South America, and Azamara Journey will be the ship that should be homeporting down here in Australia and Asia. Yes, absolutely. Uh, next up, we've got some news from Windstar. They've actually taken delivery of Star Pride. And when I say delivery, it's the, of course, enhanced, cut, stretched version of Star Pride, yep. which has taken place in Italy. And, of course, we know Baz's um, love of Windstar, so I'm sure you're <laughs> looking forward to sampling her once... Oh, hopefully uh, one day. ...the borders come down, yes. Yeah, so she's... Uh, you know, a, um, a former seaborne cruiser ship that was moved across or, or purchased by Windstar some time ago, and she's been undergoing a $250 million um, renovation project, which also saw her stretched. Um, she now can carry up to 312 um, passengers, and, um, you know, it's been kind of really absorbed into that Windstar brand now with, with a lot of... Um, so sort of changes made to the way that the, the ship uh, looks and operates and feels inside, which is really nice. Yeah, I think it's uh, some of those images they've sent through with this uh, are incredible. I think the ship look, does look absolutely stunning. Yeah, and they've also talked to I me. Mean, a lot of people asking me recently about, like, so with uh, cruising resuming, what are they doing on board to make it sort of safer? And this ship here, they've got the updated um, HVAC systems, the hospital grade um, HEPA filters, and a UVC air zapping process. So 
Um, so a few little, uh, little Which changes includes an ultraviolet germicidal irradiation system. Wow. Yeah, they were using something similar to that on airplanes, actually, oh, okay. during the beginning part of the pandemic anyway. They were going through with these big sort oh, of like rods. And, uh, yes, and, and they, were, they were zapping um, uh, the seats and stuff with UV light to try and um, yep. eradicate any, any leftover germs. Mm, I believe Qatar Airways do, uh, do that so quite well as well. They've got a fleet of those little robots. Uh, moving on to Viking next, they've announced a, the newest ship and three brand new itineraries and one of these I think will be an absolute cracker. Yeah, so Viking Saturn, um, she's joining the, the fleet in 2023 and will be able to offer 930 passengers um, some pretty interesting voyages as mm. you say here, uh, which is the one that, that draws your eye the most. It's actually that first one, the uh, Iceland, Iceland, Greenland and Canada and the, uh, the reason that I say that a cruise line that I had an affiliation with many years ago did a very similar itinerary and it was hugely popular and the yeah. guests were raving about it so um, yeah if I could go anywhere in the world to drop of a hat I think this one would really yeah. stand out to me. Because Iceland features pretty heavily in um, Saturn's maiden season here mm. like you've got Iceland and uh, Norway where there's Iceland, Greenland, Norway and beyond which is another sort of variant of the one that Baz was uh, looking at and then Iceland's natural beauty. So um, Iceland actually seems like a very popular destination at the moment as well. I've seen a lot of YouTubers have been going there. I think it's yeah. opening up a bit. So uh, fascinating to be able to do that on board the brand new Viking ship. Yeah, 47,800 tons, 465 staterooms and 930 guests, you said. And of course, she's identical to every one of the ocean-going uh, Viking vessels, which are designed to be uh, identical. Um, we've got a little bit of news, which you probably missed on your show, the notes there, Chris. Um, Disney um, mm. have announced the return to the favorite tropical destinations in the Bahamas, Caribbean, and Mexico in early 23. So basically, they've announced their deployment for, for 23. Yeah, for and of course, that will take in Castaway Key or Castaway mm. Key, their, um, their private island. And all those sailings will go on sale on 21 October. So uh, by the time you're listening to this, the chances are they probably are on sale. Let's go a little closer to home right now. Captain Coop Cruises. There's a few different Captain Coop brands out, uh, out there, but this one we're talking about Fiji. Uh, they've announced their 2024 deployment. Can't believe we're talking about 2024. <laughs> Can you? But yes, absolutely. Fiji has actually um, recently announced that they'll be welcoming Australians back in terms of uh, in terms of travel as well. So the airlines have been talking a lot about Fiji uh, in local local waters. So it's nice to see the cruise lines being able to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there'll be four um, special itineraries that range from three to 11 nights in 2024. And of course that will be um, on board the Reef Endeavour. Incredible. Um, we've also got an extra bit of news here and it's an incredibly long bit of news. So we'll ask all the listeners to head to the, the show notes to find out further details, particularly if you're traveling with um, children. Um, on board Disney Wish as they're unveiling a whole new kids experience for kids, tweens and teens. Yep. There's so much information here. Oh yes, I mean it's come straight out of the, the Imagineering Lab of course which is the Walt Disney mm. group that comes up with all these wonderful ideas. Um, there's going to be all of the sort of modern day favourites I suppose on board with the fairy tale hall and activity rooms inspired by um, Rapunzel from Tangled, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, and um, of course the, the princesses and queen from Frozen. Um, and then they're also making reference to more of the sort of broader Disney family, including Star Wars, Cargo Bay, um, there's Mickey and Minnie's Captain's Deck. Um, there's a very strong focus on Frozen, of course, because it's such a <laughs> popular franchise there. 
um, and um, lots and lots and lots of information, as you say. I mean, if we looked at it, if we, if we were to print it out, it would take the small forest to, to, to do it. So Baz will put those in the show notes. Yeah, a little tease there at the start. It says, a high-tech starship on a mission to assist the resistance. A nautical playground where little cadets train with the most magical of captains at sea. They here hang out with ultra-exclusive VIP lists. Yep. We're going to be speaking to our good friend, uh, the princess of cruise in the UK, of course, Emma. She has just been on a Disney cruise. We're going to get her thoughts on Disney in the next couple of weeks or so. So yeah. do listen out for that one. She's already been sharing some thoughts online. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say. Yeah, so I think... Um, Disney, you either love or don't particularly uh, like it, um, and I think looking at it a cruiser rather than looking at it as a Disney fanatic will be quite yes. interesting. I would just love to see a Disney cruise ship come to local waters so we can try it out for ourselves, Baz. Well, one day, you never know. We keep putting these things into the universe. Who knows when yes. they're going to come back? Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> sooner rather than later would be good. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Now, uh, we spoke many times on the, the, the podcast about your YouTube channel. There's a whole array of different back, hug, back, back catalogs catalog, yeah. even that people could listen to. If you could choose one video out of that back catalog that you think people should listen to or watch this week, could you pick one? Uh-huh. I actually wish that, the, that more people would watch the, um, the history ones, to be honest, because yeah. I, I, I find it's... When people actually do see them and watch them, they, they find it fascinating. I just don't think people think to, think to, think to look at them sometimes. Okay, so yeah. There's one that's um, uh, about the building of the Queen Mary and how if that ship hadn't... It almost didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it was instrumental in helping Britain and America win World War II. Yeah. So it's just like making those links that you don't necessarily think about when you think of an ocean liner. Um, I actually have a, a relatively recent video, which is um, uh, ocean liner versus airliner versus cruise ship, and it kind of t- takes you on the story of how airlines, airplanes, when jet airplanes came in, they killed the ocean liner, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. cruising wouldn't exist as it does today without <laughs> airplanes, so um, that's interesting as well, but yeah, the algorithm sometimes with these more niche topics doesn't love them as much <laughs> as the sensationalized cruising is falling apart stuff that we had last year during COVID. <laughs> Um, and it's a bit of a shame. So if you are interested yeah. in maritime history and you want to check it out, they're all there. Yeah, head to the, no, Chris, head to the website. Head to Chris's YouTube page. Um, or, of course, the link to that is, of course, in the show notes, but it's very easy. Chris Frame Official, I think, is your handle from memory. And you can easily find a, a whole array of the different videos that Chris has got there for you. Um, Chris, we're sadly just about out of time, uh, but we will be back, of course, next week with more cruise, more cruise news, more maritime history, and hopefully a list of questions. If anybody has got a list of questions, send it in via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, click on Join the Show, and that's where you can send that beautiful question through to us. You know, you like to say we put it out in the universe, and maybe next week we'll be coming back with news that Australia is opening up to cruising. Oh, let's hope, let's hope. <laughs> let's put it out into the universe, Baz. <laughs> okay. On that note, stay safe, everyone. Cheers. me again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on air there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee um just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop very very similar although you're not physically buying me a coffee you're making a small donation and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air and the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you uh, then receive priority access to the podcast because all of our supporters do receive 
the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live, and uh, it can take about twelve to twenty four hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up. So, if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy ten coffees, or you can buy a whole year supply. It's entirely up to you. But every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated. The links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. time for the itinerary of the week just a quick reminder this is not sponsored or paid for by any particular cruise line this is just itineraries that cross our desk and we think why don't we share this with the listeners um now this one actually came from mrs big cruise podcast i was talking earlier in the week to the family and saying oh what should we do what uh, have you seen this week for itinerary of the week and she said you know what we should do one of our favorite cruise holidays which was a couple of years ago now it was not a typical cruise in the sense that it wasn't a cruise line but it was a boat and it was on the water and it was a la boat holiday now, if you're not familiar with Le Boat, they are uh, self-drive uh, boating holidays all over Europe and also now in Canada. Um, and it's pretty much like a caravan on the water, but a luxury caravan. Um, all the latest facilities that you need. Now, they've got about 40-odd different uh, types of boats of different sizes, different, different configurations. Um, anything from kind of your budget range, which is one to two stars, through to Comfort and Comfort Plus, right up to Premier, which includes everything with the you know very spacious very modern uh, air conditioning bow thrusters joystick navigation um, it, there really is a boat for everybody but the most important thing is you do not need any boating experience you do not need a license um, you'll be briefed you'll be shown how to operate the boat and in all honesty it, it is very 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 easy um but so much to choose from, and one thing I would say is consider some of the little extras. Consider the the, the bike hire, um, the barbecue hire, and little things that you don't think of when you're booking it, but uh, can make a big difference whilst you're out on the waterways of Europe and Canada. Um, now, the itinerary that we did was in the Venice Lagoon. Now, there's actually four different itineraries that you can do, and uh, slight variations of both. So let's take a little look at where the, the nearest base. So you would fly into Venice Airport, and the nearest base is Casali. Um, which is about 20 to 30 minutes from Venice in a private car, um, not too far at all. And you head out to the marina, uh, you uh, have, have your briefing, you unpack on your boat, and then you head out uh, on the, the water, and one of their uh, technicians or guides will uh, help you out through the marina for the first kind of 20 minutes, half an hour or so, um, and then you're kind of on your own. Now, the great thing about this itinerary, and this itinerary in particular, is Casali is quite a quiet river quiet waterway which then connects you back into the uh, venetian lagoon so it gives you that chance of cruising down the river where there is less river traffic um you really get a feel for the boat and uh, you can just really enjoy the the first day before you, you get into the hustle and bustle of venice um the other great thing about this itinerary is there's only one lock um, leaving the river and entering into the venice lagoon there is a few more if you head on the easterly direction so let's talk about the itineraries you can do a casali round trip which will basically give you the chance to head out to venice murano burano which are those beautiful islands in the lagoon you can also head out to lido desolo and then that will probably fill up about a, a seven day itinerary um alternatively you can head in the eastbound direction um going from casali through to Presen. Eco, I think it's pronounced. Um, and that's about a seven day journey in itself. And alternatively, you can come back in the easterly direction, or you can use the Presenico base for the uh, 
round trip as well. So a few different options there, but seven nights will really give you a nice experience. As I say, the boats can take anything from two up to about 10, 12 guests, um, but it really is about finding that right uh, boat for you and your family. We did it as a multi-generational, so there was myself, my children, uh, so our little family, there was my sister and her family, and also our parents, uh, all kind of reuniting on the Venice Lagoon and it was a brilliant experience highly highly recommend it and uh, to this day the kids and my parents still say it is one of the best cruise holidays we have ever been on don't be afraid of uh, taking a boat out taking a little boat out and enjoying seven days on the sheltered waterways uh, and if you want something that's probably on a little less busier route you can go to other places they've got bases all over Europe so we've got the link to their website in the show notes it is very simple it's leboat.com or leboat.com.au uh, depending on where you are in the world um, but most good travel agents are also very familiar with Leboat but if you uh, can't find one just give Leboat a call give them an email and say can you recommend a good cruise agent in my area that knows you that are understand you and can help me uh, puddle a boat holiday into your bigger travel plans and that my friends is this week's itinerary of the week that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.